Welcome into the Couch Guys Sports Loose Change Podcast, episode number 28. I want to go with number 28. It's around there. It's I believe it's I believe it's number 28. So big guest today. We've been making our rounds on Comcast Sportsnet New England. Uh, I've told this to everybody who's came on. Big fan of Comcast Sportsnet because I'm I'm over ESPN. I used to watch ESPN all the time. So done with ESPN and all their it that feels like the definition of fake news on ESPN. So I made my move over to Comcast Sports and they made a big program change. Love, love, love watching Boston Sports tonight. And tonight we have on Casey Smith from Comcast Sports in New England. Casey, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. And I totally support the decision to come on over to us and leave ESPN. <laughs> you know, I left ESPN to come work here so we can all be on the same team with that. Yeah, so you know what? You you left ESPN, I left ESPN, so we kind of did the same thing, if you want to just say that. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same team, basically. That's that's what I want to yeah. uh, believe, and that's what we're going to go with. Love it. Perfect. Boston Sports tonight, watch it every night before I go to bed. And when I said that, Tom Giles made fun of me. He, he, wanted, to know if I had, what else, he wanted to know if I had a life. What else am I going to do at... 11 o'clock at night <laughs> sleep yeah but, well I mean. <laughs> next time he next time he says that you should be like do you have a life you're on television he can't even drink while he's doing it at least you can enjoy like a cold beer or maybe a glass of wine or something while watching it so you should just throw that right back at him because he's he's kind of a loser he'll be mad at me for telling you that but yeah, <laughs> all right casey became my new favorite guest that's it she wins <laughs> <laughs> hey you know what i wish i could enjoy a nice beer right now but you know, I'm trying to cut out carbs because, you know. He's got a dad bod. He doesn't want to tell you, but he's got a dad Summer. bod. He, Summer food there. killed me, so I'm trying to cut out the. I'm, gonna, I'm I mean, rocking the dad bod. I, thought, I rocked the dad, bod, the dad bod before it was cool. I mean, that's if you have a dad bod, you might as well just rock it. But here's the thing, that up here in New England, like everybody tells me that everybody gets dad bods in the wintertime because it's bulking season. And I'm from Texas, so this is going to be a new thing for me. But maybe I'm just going to have to transition over to liking guys with dad bods. That's probably what I'm going to have to do. Well, listen, listen, listen. Bulk, I can tell you this. I've grown up in Massachusetts. Being winter, when you hear people say bulking season, that there, there is no nutrition. That just sounds like <laughs> you're you're focusing on your fitness and just trying to build muscle. That is not what's happening. Bulking season is you just want to eat whatever you <laughs> yeah, want. It makes you, you feel better. It makes you feel better about eating as as we always do. Yeah, exactly. So like bulking season, I always thought meant, you know, like you said, trying to grow muscle, lots of protein, lots of like bro tanks and crossfitting. But then I was told that bulking season up here is like everyone just eats whatever they want because they wear a ton of clothing and nobody can see their bodies anyway. So maybe this is a whole new whole new world I'm about to see. You'll see the hibernation human style basically is what's coming. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, Casey. So uh, again, thank Thank you so much for coming on. My first topic that I kind of want to dive into is obviously the biggest topic of the week. If you turn on, this is the first time that if you really turn on sports news on Comcast Sports, ESPN, or even regular news like CNN, Fox News, you're going to see the same story across the board. The NFL players protesting. I wrote an article that has gotten some decent, uh, I want to say, lash back about this and my feelings on the kneeling uh, during the national anthem that took place in the NFL this past week. I feel like it's even one of those things that I really don't have to explain what happened because everybody knows at this point. What are your feelings about the players kneeling? Do you think that it was okay for what they did? 
I think that last weekend has to stand alone when you have this conversation because I've been uh, very pro freedom of speech saying, you know, if this is the way that they feel uh, that they should protest, then they have that right to. However, I disagree with the methodology of it. Just the idea of kneeling for the national anthem uh, to me is just not the right way to go because it is so divisive and it looks like maybe something that it's not. But last weekend, I do believe that the kind of mass explanation is they weren't necessarily protesting the United States or the flag. They were protesting what Donald Trump said and not only what he said, but the way he said it. You know, he has every right to try to defend the flag and defend the national anthem. That's what the president of the United States should do. But the way he went about it of calling them names, saying they should be fired, that to me, what we saw last weekend, was in protest of saying, you don't have any right to do that. So carrying forward, I do think we'll see less of that, or at least I hope we see less of that, and maybe more conversation. But to be honest with you, the way the Dallas Cowboys did it was by far the best way. They linked arms, they kneeled before the anthem, they said, we are going to show that we're unified against what the president said, but then they stood for the national anthem and, you know, respected the flag in a lot of people's eyes. So again, it just comes back to the thing, guys, is that people just don't like the methodology of it, which makes the conversation that they're trying to start, that Colin Kaepernick originally tried to start, kind of get lost. And I think that's where all the controversy is coming from. So, I, you know, maybe they choose a different way to do it, but if not, they have every right to kneel uh, and do what they believe is best. And see, now, Casey, I want to ask you, too, because you brought up Colin Kaepernick, and that's kind of where I wanted to go, was he was really shunned and not really looked upon as, like, a good person for what he did and what he was protesting. He's not in the NFL because of all the antics that come with it, and now I feel like if he was in the NFL, it would be just second nature and no one would care because of all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We actually talked about that uh, in the office the other day because the Sports Illustrated cover came out about, you know, sports unify while everything else is divisive. And Colin Kaepernick wasn't on the cover, but Roger Goodell was and Michael Bennett and some of these other key figures like Aaron Rodgers in this conversation. But it, it comes back to I really believe that the reason that more people are now siding with what happened last weekend is solely because of President Trump and what Donald Trump said. So if Colin Kaepernick was in the league now, uh, maybe it would be different. I also believe that he is being blackballed from the NFL, but if he was an Aaron Rodgers, if he was a Drew Brees, or, I mean, nobody's Tom Brady, but if he was, if he was really, really, really good, he would be in the league. However, I don't buy the whole, oh, he's just not good enough. When you look at some of these garbage quarterbacks, he's absolutely better than some of them. So there is that fine line, but you're absolutely right. Had he been in the league this year with this president uh, and the way that this has gone, he w- it would just be another storyline like Michael Bennett has the last couple of weeks. But unfortunately, uh, he made a decision to stand up for what he believes in and what he thought was right. And it's kind of backfired, even if people won't admit it, which I'm sick of. Let's, let's all sit down and agree he's not in it because owners are afraid of backlash. And I don't understand why they're still trying to hide from that. Do you think this opens a door for him? Coming back, like obviously we're hoping this goes away, but like, do you think this kind of lashback by the players and this, this stance, do you think this opens the door for Kaepernick? Because I think he should still be in the league. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think it will. I actually thought that even before this last weekend, because it's some of the, the quarterback play that we've seen from some of the starters. You know, when you look at all the quarterbacks in the league and you say, how in the world could these guys uh, be the answer? So I thought that there might have already been a conversation for him. But yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see this, especially if this narrative continues where you continue to see teams not even coming out of the locker room, then yeah, he should be in the league. And there's going to be somebody that's going to finally stand up and say, not only 
should he be in the league because this is ridiculous, but we could also use him at quarterback. So uh, I'd put money on it right now. I don't know how much, but um, I definitely see a lot more opportunity for him. All right, Casey, switching gears. So Chris Sale last night had another very rough outing uh, for the Red Sox against the Blue Jays. In the beginning of the season, he was realistically lights out in a guaranteed win. When you saw him take the mound, you knew that the Red Sox had a win locked up, and he was he was untouchable. That slider was biting so hard. But as the season's drawn on and we've gotten to the later parts of the season, he's had some ups and downs. And again, especially last night, giving up four home runs in one game. That is horrendous. And he's one of my favorite players. And he's been one of my favorite players before he was even on the Red Sox. So with that being said, do you think that Chris Sale's Cy Young chances are now gone and Corey Kluber's just going to win it and run away with it? I do think that he's probably going to lose the Cy Young just because we've seen what Corey Kluber has done. And again, it's one of those awards, just like a lot of them are. It's kind of like, what have you done lately? And Chris Sale was so good at the beginning of the season that it was like he was almost outperforming even the high expectations that people had for him. So unless something crazy happens, I do think he'll lose. The thing with me with Chris Sale is, is that you see this up and down, and I want to believe that because he's pitching in Boston, they're in a pennant race to where in the past, in his career in Chicago, he wasn't, that that competitive fire that you see from him on the mound will kind of take over. But then it's been alternating. Like, it's really good starts, really bad starts. So I don't know if that's just who this pitcher is, that he just can't finish seasons the way that he starts, or if the Red Sox are overusing him right now. That's the bigger question. And when you look at him potentially pitching on Sunday, you're like, what, you know, if they haven't clinched yet, what do they do? Because he's obviously the best option on the Red Sox by far, you know, you look at all the X factors across the roster. Chris Sale is still your best player, but if he's not performing to the highest of his ability, the Red Sox are going to struggle and struggle mightily. So uh, I think, unfortunately, Corey Kluber's got it, but you sure hope he can turn it around in October. So from the outside looking in, uh, Casey, I know you're not a beat writer. You're probably thankful for that uh, because base, being a baseball <laughs> beat writer doesn't sound like it's a fun job. But look, from the outside looking in, like you said, Chris Sale is very much the reason why this team is where they are. Um, and obviously the career he's shown, he's consistently clearly been overworked and it gets exhausted towards the end of the year, but he's never pitched in the playoffs. So my question for you is, you know, do you think that he can turn it around and just kind of switch it on come playoff time? Or should we be concerned once the playoffs start that he's just going to be gassed and it's, it's going to be terrible? I want to believe that he is going to be able to turn it on because I've been saying it the entire year. And you're right. Being a baseball beat writer would just be horrible because you've got 162 games to ride that roller coaster of emotions. I can't, we do it in studio and we don't have to be in the locker room. So what I've been saying throughout this entire thing is, is that if you have a sure thing on the Red Sox roster on any standpoint, whether it's offense, defense, pitching, bullpen, it is Chris Sale. I mean, I, that's a pretty obvious statement at this point. So I'm going to stand and believe that he will be able to turn it on. Last night was a little bit more concerning because he's been so good against Toronto. We talk about how he has a Cleveland problem. We talk about how he doesn't always pitch well against really good offenses, but Blue Jays are awful. So last night was a little bit more concerning, but I still think that Chris Sale is going to be able to turn it on. The question is, is will he get the run support that he's going to need? And what's the rest of the pitching rotation going to look like at this point? Is David Price going to be able to start? Uh, what's Rick Porcello going to do? And then Drew Pomerantz as well. So if anything I'm not worried about right now, it's Chris Sale. But we'll see what happens. All right, Casey, one more thing for me real quick before we let you go, because um, I think Nick froze on the other side of my screen here. But um, just quickly. Uh, I answer. 
Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, um, Kyrie Irving is here and he's a Celtic. So obviously, as camp starts, one more question for you is: How excited are you to watch the Celtics team? Obviously, you guys are the coverage for this town with him on it. And where do you see the limits are for this team? First of all, I loved the trade between Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving from a you know an on the court standpoint. Obviously, the emotion surrounding it is is massive. He's very important to this team, but I think that that team immediately got better with Kyrie Irving, not to mention people kind of forget that Gordon Hayward picked up as well. So I think that this team is definitely better than they were last year. And Kyrie's saying everything right right now. I didn't know if he would come in and kind of have that cocky attitude of knowing how good he is, but he's showing that when he's not in the shadow of LeBron James, and we obviously know how bad their relationship was at this point because he wanted to get out He's coming out and saying everything Boston fans want to hear right now. The question is, is can he lead a team without having the greatest basketball player in the world? I choose to believe yes. I think he's an incredible athlete. I think this team is going to be a lot better. However, you're still having to go up against LeBron James. So I think the excitement level is definitely there. I know a lot of people are really excited to see what Brad Stevens can do with basically an entirely new team. I still think it's going to be difficult because I think LeBron James is going to try to score 100 points in that season opener just to prove that they don't need Kyrie. So it'll be interesting, but I'm definitely a big Kyrie fan, and I can't wait to see him in a Celtics jersey. All right, I'm back. Casey, thank you so much for coming on the show. This dang internet just froze me right after that Red Sox uh, response <laughs> that you had. Casey, thanks so much work, for coming on. It? <laughs> oh, no, it is. I'm connected to some strong Wi-Fi. It tells me it's got three bars, and all of a sudden I'm frozen. It doesn't make any sense. It's got a Casey, mind of its own, I swear. <laughs> it's bananas. Casey, thank you so much for coming on. Follow her on Twitter at Casey Smith. She spells Casey, K-A-Y-C. A little different. I like the way that she spells Casey. Make sure to catch her <laughs> on Boston Sports. <laughs> oh, I'm a fan. I like it. I like when names are spelled a little different. Make sure to catch her on Boston Sports tonight, 9 p.m. to midnight. Casey, once again, thank you so much for coming on. We loved having you. Anytime, guys. All right. Thanks, Casey. Goodbye. All right. That was awesome. Glad to have Casey on. Done. Casey, we're becoming, lack of a better word, we're becoming CSN horse. It's great. We'll take Oh, my God. Oh. Ah, the Red Sox are going to lose. They're going to be the wild card team. They're going to be the wild card team. They are not going to win the division. They're going to lose every single game. They are losing three to nothing in the first inning. They're going to be swept. The first place team in the American League East is about to be swept by the worst, the last place team. I can't do this. I hate this team. I hate this team so much. The worst part about it, too, uh, that's a great segue. Great turn of, event, turn of events there. Um, I just got a notification they're down 3 nothing. Yeah. 3 nothing in the first inning. It sucks because... Porcello team... sucks. Porcello sucks. You done? You can go now. Okay. Um, this team is so infuriating because literally... They'll win 12 of 15, look better, you know, shrink that gap, and then all of a sudden now Yankees are winning, you're losing, and it's like, okay, are we really going to lose the division now in the last week of the season when it was all but wrapped up? This would be worse than the 2011 collapse if we lose this division right now. Oh, easily. Easily. They, before last night's game, they were up four games. I guess we're just going to start off with the Red Sox. Not the plan, but I guess we'll do that. So, 
Hey, again, before we, before we get into this, Casey Smith, thank you so much for coming on. 9 p.m. to midnight, catch her on Comcast Sportsnet, New England, Boston Sports Tonight. Follow her on Twitter, Casey Smith, spells Casey K-A-Y-C. Which you okay. love. Which I love. Big fan of that. Love when people, love when people spell their names differently. Uh, unless it doesn't make any sense, but that makes sense. Uh, this is coming from a guy with a silent G in the middle of his last name, so. Yeah. Big fan. Big fan of the bonding that we have over that. So. I forgot. Red Sox. Red Sox. The Red Sox, man. Right now, they're down three to nothing. Rick Porcello is garbage. Just garbage. He's garbage. He is absolute garbage. The beginning of the season, we straight up said that the big three is in Boston between David Price, Chris Sale, and Rick Porcello. David Price was pretty good. Chris Sale was excellent for the most part. Rick Porcello looks like the Rick Porcello that we had in 2015 in Boston. And I'll be honest with you, I think this is the real Rick Porcello. Will the real Rick Porcello please stand up? This is him. This is the guy who stands up. It's a problem. And last year was was a lightning in a bottle. It's really what it is. Everyone's like, oh, what happened to Cy Young? He'll bounce back. No, last year he just pitched out of his ass. Like, this is where he's been most of his career. And even when he was in Detroit, he was like, okay, it still wasn't good. This is who he is, and that's why I've been trying to, you know, I wrote the article on Couch Guy. I, I, I beg for Doug Fister to be in the rotation instead of Porcello because at least you know you have a better chance of a good outing. When was the last time Rick Porcello really threw a good outing against a decent team? It's been a while. He got, he got rocked by Toronto last time they played him. He gave up seven. I just did the pregame for CLNS. He gave up seven earned runs over five and a third innings in his last outing against uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. And not to mention, his last outing against uh, the the last team that he just faced, with the, the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati. Gave up four earned. Cincinnati sucks. Toronto sucks. This guy can't pitch. I don't know how else to say it. He's Here's a stat I just read. Rick Porcello has now officially given up the most hits of any pitcher in the league this season, and he's making $20 million. This guy, winner, baby. Let's go. This guy, he, he, he's prided himself off of being a ground ball pitcher. And he, he doesn't give up ground balls. He gives up ding-dongs. He gives up so many home runs. He allowed in the month of August, I remember writing this, it was like, in the month of August, it was like 15 home runs and compared to like Erod giving up like three, Fister not like one. Like he gives up so many home runs. That's his problem because like you said, he's successful when it's down in the zone. And right now he can't keep the ball out of the top of the zone. It, it's the only place he's throwing a stupid ball. And he can't figure out a way to keep it down. And look, Red Sox aren't going to do it. He, they're not going to do it. But he shouldn't be pitching in the postseason if he, the way he's been pitching. He shouldn't be. Honestly, at this point, I would much rather see Doug Fister, too, because Doug Fister, if you want to say consistency, Doug Fister had a few rough starts in the beginning, but he locked himself in for a few starts in a row, which, to the best of my knowledge, Rick Porcello did not lock himself in at all throughout the season. He never, other than the month of July where he looked okay, there was still a spurt in there where he didn't have a good game. He just, I have zero, zero, zero. Negative one percent confident. Negative one percent in in Rick Porcello for confidence. The guy is an absolute joke this season to the point where yeah, I'd much rather have Doug Fister. Much rather have Doug Fister well, pitch. Well, you said it too. The point is Porcello hasn't really ever had a stretch this year ever that he was like good for a month or good for a couple weeks. Like Fister at least put stretches together where it made the argument. 
Doug Fisher pitched well enough for a couple starts in a row, maybe two weeks, that he forced me to write an article on to be on his side to to take out Rick Porcello. Yeah, and you did. Put yeah, in you Doug did. Fister. Like that's how good he was, and he still, I think, hit or miss. I have a better, you have a better chance right now to get a good quality start, which is only like five innings in baseball terms, from Doug Fister than you can from Rick Porcello. And with David Price in the bullpen, you know, you you can plan around it that. I trust the other four guys that are going to potentially, or the other three guys that are going to be in the rotation with Erod, Sale, uh, and Pomeranz. I trust them enough. I don't trust Rick Porcello. I trust Rick Porcello less than Doug Fister to have a quality start at this point. So the Red Sox won't do it, but man, has Porcello been bad. Here's a big question. Do you think that the Red Sox lose the division? Do you think they come in second place in the division? I don't. Which, by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way, I just saw... That the final game of the season, if it comes down to it, your pitcher is scheduled to be Rick Porcello. Rick Porcello Blow. Excuse me, he's earned the nickname back. Rick Porcello. Oh, man. I do not want Rick Porcello Blow to have that nickname back, but he's deserved it for what he's done. Can we get David Price on the mound? Can he Can he pitch for the division? Can we give him a start? Please. Like- please. Like, why don't they try that? Because at this point, if John... Listen, if the Red Sox... Come in second place. The only positive thing that's going to come out of that is John Farrell's gone. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. And at this point, you know, this team's not winning the World Series. I'm not saying I'm rooting for them to lose the division because I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll be fine. Um, the further they go in the playoffs, the better success they have. I mean, the, for all you non-John Farrell people, which I'm one of them, he's staying. If they win the division, he absolutely is staying, and we're going to have him for another season. No, but if, he, Listen, if, he, if they win the division and get swept again, you, you, you're sure about that? I No, 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 no. But if they bring it to a game five and they win the first round, or if they just, or if they just bring it to a game five and even lose the first round, I think he'll still be here next year. I'm at the point where I don't think that the Red Sox are going to let him go. They should have after last year, and they didn't. They absolutely had a team that could... That, listen, I know Cleveland went to the World Series. I know they were hot, but not to get a win out of that playoff race, that playoff uh, series with Cleveland, absolutely asinine. You're one of the That's best teams it. in baseball. Exactly. That's a man. You were close to having the best record in the American League. Like, let's not forget that. They were close to having the best record in the American League, oh, and they, they screwed were, it up. They were a better team last year than they are this year, by far. Absolutely. And and you know what? <laughs> Cleveland is just so hot right now. If you have to play them for whatever reason in the first round, you are not going to be Cleveland. You will be out in the first round, and the Red Sox will most – I think they'll get swept. I don't think they can play Cleveland. I do not think – Francisco Lindor, to me, is one of the best players, and he will be one of the top players in the MLB by next season. That guy is a freak of nature to me. He's a he's an athletic shortstop who plays phenomenal defense and hits with power. You know, you know who we thought we had at shortstop? A guy like Francisco Lindor. You know who we don't have at shortstop? Francisco, Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor. It's it's insane. It's Xander Bogarts has been. Do you want to talk about disappointment? Xander Bogarts is another one of those disappointments. Um, but like we asked Casey, do you think that Chris Sale's got a chance to win the side anymore? God no. Are you kidding me? No, because he's been pitching so bad the last like two months of the season. He hasn't been. Chris Sale since August, and it's a trend. Look past in past seasons. It's the stats. He doesn't pitch well in August, September, and it's because he's overused. Same thing happened in Chicago. He's been overworked this year. 
example of it is the other night when he was going for the 300th strikeout. They put him back in the eighth inning. There was no reason for him to do it. He didn't need to go back in there to get it. He only needed to go in for this start, this past start, if not this last one. He had two more opportunities to get a couple strikeouts. He would have done it, and he would have done it at home versus on the road. There was no reason for him to stay in, and it's things like that. He gets overworked because they don't trust the rest of the staff as much as the bullpen has been much better lately with the arms you can trust. But look, he's been overworked. He's gassed. And I was listening on the way home to the sports hub, and Maz made a good point. When you're tired, you throw harder because you got to put more into the pitch. And when you throw harder and enforce it, the motion comes off the ball. You lose a lot of your stuff, quote unquote. And his slider is what makes him good. It makes him unhittable because you don't know what's coming the fastball, that hook. And if you force it and you throw it extra hard to make the get to the plate because you're exhausted, the bite comes off the slider. And now you're only a guy who throws 95 and can't throw a slider. Yeah, and you know what, too? I saw that graphic pop up on it. I believe it was uh, – I don't want to take credit away from whatever uh, station it was that posted. It was either Comcast Sportsnet or Nesson. But one of them posted a graphic of – I believe it was Sale throwing a slider earlier in the season compared to his slider last night. And it's exactly what you said. His slider last night was so flat, had absolutely no bite on it. And that's and that's like you said, that's what that's what makes him excellent. That's what makes him unhittable. It's that slider that can come across, that can start in the outside batter's box and come in on you. So you never know where it's going to end up. I've seen so many the amount of hitters that I have seen look stupid facing Chris Sale this year is unbelievable. I haven't seen a pitcher this dominant that dominant in a long time since so probably Pedro, but it's not the same picture that we saw in July. It's no, just not. No, and and you know you hate to compare everything to Pedro because Pedro was just so much more likable and just dominant than Chris Sale was, especially because of the era that Pedro pitched in. But the way this is going, I think they win the division. But you're you're not going much past that because. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, we trust the staff. We got a good set. You don't have a good starting rotation right now. The only guy I trust is Drew Pomeranz, and he didn't pitch well the other night. Like, that's it. Yeah, but the thing is, it's not only the pitching staff. It's the, it's the goddamn offense. There is no power on this team. And somebody's going to get traded this offseason. Somebody's going to have to be traded. You need a power bat in this lineup. That's all this team showed me this year. This team showed me that you can that you can make the playoffs being a team that doesn't hit home runs, doesn't doesn't get extra base hits, doesn't build up high slugging percentages, but you can't win it all. I know the Kansas City Royals did, but let's be honest with you, I know there were some comparisons earlier in the year with the Kansas City Royals and the Red Sox. Yep. That comparison's gone. Oh, yeah, because the Royals had a shut-down bullpen. Like, shut-down bullpen. And the Red Sox could have had that if they had Carson Smith and and Addison Reed all year, but they didn't. And on top of that, their rotation isn't as good. The Royals' rotation was okay. It was pretty consistent. You knew you were getting night in and night out. And the Royals' offense came in through the clutch. This team does not. No, it it absolutely does not. You don't have that guy anymore who's going to push the team. Do I still sound good? You sound fine. Keep going. Okay, so I just I just want to double check, you know, Uh, this team doesn't have that guy anymore who sits in the dugout and who is going to push the team further uh, to the limits that they actually have. You know what I mean? Like David Ortiz was that guy. You don't have that leader anymore. You thought it could be Dustin Pedroia. He didn't show me any of that this year. Maybe Mookie Betts. Yeah, maybe Mookie Betts. I don't think Mookie wants it either. Other than that, 
who do you really have? Chris Dale doesn't seem like he's that vocal of a guy. He's not None the kind. Of he's not the raw, raw guy that Poppy was. They don't have one. They I need think, one. You know who I think could have done it is Edwin Encarnacion. But the Red Sox didn't even make an effort for him. And I still think that was the wrong decision because you could have found pitching. You had pitching. I know you traded for Chris Sale. You could have afforded to sign Encarnacion and get that bat. Ortiz pitched it last year. Encarnacion said he was surprised when he didn't get an offer from the Red Sox. They never even reached out to the guy. And I know for a fact it was the because of the they just didn't want to pay over the luxury tax. They're, they don't believe in this team. The owners are, care about the money at this point. And I'm not saying the ownership needs to go, but that's that's got to be the reason why they didn't go after him because they've never before hesitated and they always paid the luxury tax. And this year they've said they, they wanted to stay under it. Yeah, but that's the thing though. Who are you going to go after over the offseason who's actually going to be able to provide that offense that even Encarnacion did I don't know who you're gonna who are you gonna let me rephrase that who are you gonna go after that's not gonna put you over the luxury tax see that's you're what gonna I'm go after- it's, it's stupid and they messed it up because they shouldn't have cared like they're a big market team they should be able to afford to pay the taxes to bring a guy like Encarnacion here they don't have anyone like that now as an option now they have to hope it comes within whether it be your boy Sam Travis or it be someone else in the in the lineup. You, you need some guys to hit some ding dongs, and it, now it's coming from within because they're they, they're not going to want to pay through the nose for it. You had a guy who hit some ding dongs, and his name was Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw's been an absolute animal down in Milwaukee. The mayor and the mayor of Ding Dong City. And oh, I don't know. Tyler Thornburg had a zero point zero zero earn run average. That's and pretty zero good, right? Pitch. Zero games, nothing thrown. It's the Red Sox front office this year absolutely murdered me. Even absolutely if, honestly, murdered. And, and I know we want to talk about other stuff, but like even if the Red Sox do get something out of Thornburn next year, if he comes back and he pitches well and he's dominant, I don't care. They still messed it up because you you need more than anything that bat. And Shaw clearly was that bat. Everyone saw it last year. He was starting to come into his own, and this year he's just showing that dude can rake and hit the crap out of the ball. He hit a couple. Well, he had that walk off the other night, and oh my god, it almost got me to buy a Travis Shaw jersey. Almost, I was. And he close. was he was so fired up. He was so yeah. fired up about. He, you know what? There, my, there's my answer. He's your leader, and he's sitting in Milwaukee. Yeah, you know what though? He and he didn't seem like a guy who talked that much, but he seems to be loving Milwaukee. He seems to have a personality in Milwaukee. Do you think the Red Sox trade might have woke him up? Do you think it's a screw you? I'm going to play my ass off, and I'm going to come back at you. Do you think there's anything to do with it? Yeah. You, you know what? It could have been, and that's what we have to be weary of because if it was. The real Travis Shaw we're going to see next year. Okay, that's what we're going to see. That's when we're going to see him next year. He's not going to be as fired up about being traded because with the comments that he was making, he seems, or I don't know if there actually were comments, but with the way he was acting, I want to say, he seemed kind of insulted that the Red Sox even traded him. So we're going to see the real Travis Shaw next year. Yeah, and this it's, year's it's almost Travis like the Rick Shaw, Porcello syndrome, right? It's the... Cy Young, Rick Porcello versus this year, Rick Porcello. Next year's a good test. And I want Milwaukee to make the playoffs. They still can. And I would love to see Travis Shaw hit some ding-dongs in the postseason. Oh, I would, too. I would, too. And I, I, I like the Brewers this year. The Brewers seem like a fun team to watch. Now, we're going we're gonna to have to get off of the, the Red Sox topic for right now. We're going to have to talk some pats. Uh, how, long is, how long have we been on right now? What's, got, what's the time lapse? Sir, you've got about 10 minutes left. So let's talk some Patriots. Ten minutes, my ass is starting to hurt. I'm getting hungry. All right, Devin Marrero, you suck. Why is he even playing? Why is Devin Marrero even playing right now? Well, you needed to play somebody over Dustin. Dustin was hurt. Dustin's knee was 
bothering him. But Droid's playing tonight. I know he's not playing anymore. No, he's not playing. They just showed him the, the dugout. I just don't. I'm not a big fan anymore. Oh, oh okay. I was like, why is he playing? Pedroia's. Yeah. No, he's. No, he's not playing. It wouldn't be. It would be such a. It would be a manager John move to take Devin Marrero and put him at DH though. That would be a manager John move. So the Patriots this past Sunday, one o'clock, barely beat the Houston Texans, thirty-six to thirty-three. Came on a last-second touchdown from Tom Brady, the greatest of all time to Brandon Cooks in the stud. corner of the end zone. Brandon Cooks, Ab- stud. Absolute stud. And you knew he would be. You knew Brady was going to love him, and he loves him. And you know what I hate the most about stop. it was they kept saying, everyone's like, oh, Brandon Cooks, he's terrible. Why did they get him? Give him, like, two weeks, dude. Like, he's never played with Tom Brady before in a real NFL game. Like, give it to him. And then you watch that catch, and he literally went up. If he didn't move his legs, he was coming down out of bounds. He literally caught, moved himself midair to move his legs and land his feet inbounds it was a phenomenal catch it wasn't the Edelman catch from the Super Bowl but it was a phenomenal catch it was an incredible catch and 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 you know what that's the thing too it's now that Edelman's out he's gonna have to find that go-to guy you know I thought it was gonna be Chris Hogan and Chris Hogan's been great don't get me wrong he's been awesome for these first couple of games but my god I'm starting to get a little tingle in my genitals about Brandon Cooks I got more than a tingle I got more than a tingle this is what we expected when we heard he was coming here this is what we were seeing in our minds, that game-winning touchdown, the deep threat. Brady's throwing a great deep ball this year, and Cooks has been— Yeah, he is. He, I don't know what where is this, from. Where is this coming from? But it's been a phenomenal deep ball. And literally the other day, he threw one like into his breadbasket. Like, Brandon Cooks just ran, caught it, and kept going. Like, that chemistry is going to be huge for this team because, look, the defense is unhealthy, and they're figuring shit out. This offense needs to carry this team for a few weeks till the defense gets better, Hightower comes back, whenever he's coming back. And— the offense can figure it out. Gronk's been fine, right? He looked like he was fine. They had that oh, yeah. groin issue. But, he, I mean, against Houston, he looked fine. The biggest thing with this past weekend was everyone was like, oh, they shouldn't be losing to Houston. This team sucks. Guys, the Houston defense is one of the top defenses in the league. And the only thing that's ever been missing from the Texans has been a quarterback. And Deshaun Watson is fucking good. Like, that dude was moving the ball down the field. He was evading, like, six tackles at a time. That guy's the real deal. I'm not saying he's going to be the greatest ever. But that guy's good enough with a defense like that to be a pretty competitive team. Yeah, and with Brandon Cooks, he has this ability because he's so good down the field. He's so freaking fast that one of my favorite aspects about him is that he's got the ability to sprint, cut a little left to make it look like he's about to streak down the field, then just slam on the brakes, turn around the balls in his basket. Oh, there's been a couple times it's happened because he because everyone's so afraid of him getting them getting beaten badly down the field that if he he can stop on a dime so if he sprints his ass off and then just stops that guy can't stop himself fast enough the db's going like 10 yards deep and cooks is by himself to get a third like a first down like it's just it's gonna work really well because then when someone tries to catch on to that now it's an option route and you're back over the top and that's an easy touchdown over the top so too many options and i think the offense is because the defense has been struggling there's no question about it they're gonna have to pick it up and they have yeah, and on the defender's end from that, uh, for people facing off with Brandon Cooks, what else are you going to do? You, there's really no defending that because if Brandon Cooks does decide to just keep going and try to beat you downfield, he will beat you downfield if you don't play it perfectly. Yep. If you take a minor misstep, he will beat you going down the field. That's just a fact. Now, going back to Deshaun Watson, because you mentioned Deshaun Watson, that's 
he is a quarterback who actually made me worried before the game started, and I and I've mentioned that to a couple people before the game on Sunday. Deshaun Watson's one of those guys that if you put pressure on him and if you don't have anybody watching him, he will run and he'll get a first down on you. And it was big this past Sunday, especially because there was no Dante Hightower. Yep. There's no Dante Hightower to watch him. So with that being said, no Dante Hightower means if you pressure Deshaun Watson, nobody's open downfield. There's not really going to be another linebacker who's going to be able to contain him, and, and there I, wasn't. Yeah, he, he ran on him. And I hate to say you you don't really miss Jamie Collins because you won a Super Bowl without the guy, but like that's the kind of role he was good at with the Patriots was the athleticism to kind of read the quarterback and keep up with him. Um, that would have been a good situation to have. Now you don't miss Jamie Collins, you won a Super Bowl, but at the same time, Deshaun Watson. There were times where if he couldn't run, you had him dead to rights. But because he could do that, you had no one to cover. And look, that guy can stay in the pocket and throw. He's got an arm. So I, I think Houston's a legitimate threat seeing how he's played this, uh, this start and against the team. I know the Patriots defense hasn't been great, but there were some opportunities for him to take sacks and make rookie mistakes, and he made some great throws. He had that one back shoulder throw um, in the end zone to whatever their tight end's name is. Um, and it One was, of their tight ends. Whatever, whatever. And it wasn't a throw that most people can make this time in his career, and he going in there like it was nothing. Yeah, and now moving on to this weekend's game, because we don't have that much time left. We want to go on to this weekend's game. The Patriots are playing the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers the Panthers are clearly not the same team as they used to be. A couple years ago when they were in the Super Bowl, they were a team with an explosive offense with Cam Newton actually throwing with accuracy, which realistically, <laughs> realistically, that's kind of the first time of his career. Because since he's been in the league, he's been known for one thing, and that's overthrowing his yep. players. But the Panthers are 2 and one right now. They have the capability to come into New England and potentially put up a big game because of what I just mentioned, because of Cam Newton. If you don't set somebody to watch him, and if you don't get pressure on him, if you don't get your hands on him quickly, you are not going to be able to take him down. He's going to beat you for first downs. Well, this year... It's just gonna, he's going to keep on running. This whole year, you have an opportunity to play a lot of good quarterbacks. Not really an opportunity. It kind of sucks, but... With this weekend, Cam Newton played kind of well last weekend, and he's in a situation where now this could be a really, really good game for him to bounce back and become old Cam from a couple years ago. The Patriots' defense is struggling. We've all, we've seen it. They, they don't know what to do. If Hightower can't play in this game, then you're looking at a situation where Cam might run for almost as many yards as he throws for, and that could be the reason why the Patriots lose this game. If they can contain Cam Newton, they're fine because the rest of the team's been struggling. But Cam Newton is that team. He was that team when they were really good and went to the Super Bowl. He was that team when he was they were crashed and burned last year. He makes that team go, and if he can come back and get some confidence against the Patriots early, you might be in for an upset this weekend. Okay, but to go just to go against any possible chance that Cam Newton has to beat the Patriots, they did go into last week 2-0 against the New Orleans Saints, and they got smoked by the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints' defense, not good. They're atrocious. Not They're good. We saw him last and, weekend. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And Newton was only able to put up 167 yards. Yeah. Uh, what was his completion? 17 for 26, 167 yards, zero touchdowns. Yeah. The, the guy, the guy seems to have fallen off. And I'll be honest with you. Other than that one year, I think he was kind of overrated. I think he was kind of overrated. Except for that one year, I never saw what p- other people saw in Cam Newton. I knew he was great in college, but. Now, 
in the NFL, it's a different ball game. And other than 2015, I don't think he was that good. No, he wasn't. But I think I don't I don't agree with you in the sense of I think he does have it. I just think he needs to hone in his arm now because when he was good in 2015, he was running a lot. Like if you remember that year, he ran a lot. But there were the times where he had to make a throw that he did. But now that teams are figuring out how he is successful in the NFL, defensive coordinators are smarter, right? You have the personnel to keep up with, and most teams do. That's why he was struggling. If he can learn to hone in the pocket presence part of his game, which I don't know if he can. I'm not saying he automatically can do that. That's when he's going to be successful because look at what Deshaun Watson can do when you have the threat of running, but you can stay in the pocket long enough to let the play develop, go through your reads, and throw the ball downfield, which Deshaun Watson did, and that's what almost beat the Patriots. Think the Patriots win this weekend? Yeah, they're fine. I think they're going to win. I'm actually going to be at the game. Oh, but God. I'm not positive. I'm not positive I'm going to be at the game. Because because my – so every, check out my article on CouchGuysSports.com about my thoughts and reactions to this past weekend's NFL protest. It's gotten a lot of reaction to it, uh, one being from my girlfriend's father. And he's the one who gave us the tickets. He's got season tickets. Uh, last night he threatened to take them away. Because of the article. Or at least uh, – uh, I, see, I think he was kidding. I think he was kidding. But he did say – uh, he asked Amanda who she's taking to the game on Sunday. Oh, <laughs> and he was—he knew originally you were going, right? Yeah, oh yeah, oh he knows, oh he knows, absolutely he knows. Oh, you're going. Don't <laughs> worry about it. He's—he's just, he's just shitting your ball. He's just shitting on you. You're good. Oh, uh, and he's good at it. Ted, Ted is a mastermind. Teddy, get him, boy, get him, Teddy. Ted is a mastermind, but. Yeah, no, I, I think the Patri- uh, Patriots are going to win. I'm going to go with a final score of 33-2. to. I don't trust the defense. I'm going to go 33-28. to 28. It's going to be another nail-biter that shouldn't be a nail-biter. Oh, we're doing scores? All right, it's 42-28, Patriots. They're, 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 they, their offense 42, is... 42, you maniac. Dude, their offense is starting to figure it out. They're, they're going to get better and better every week. Cooks, I think, opened himself up this weekend a little bit, and that's only going to help the threat of, you know, Gronkowski, Hogan, things like that. This offense is starting to click, and James White's been phenomenal this year so far. So 42-28, pass, mark it down. If the team gets rolling, they're going to be fucking hot. Yep. They're going to be so fucking but hey, hot. upside, they lost week one, so we don't have to get tattoos. Oh, that's right. Oh, tattoo tattoo bet is off. Man, Who? what guest did we have on? Was that Phil Perry that, that we talked to about that? That was Phil Perry. Yeah, yeah Phil Phil's going to be a little disappointed. I think Phil's excited for us to get a tattoo. He want, I think he was rooting for us, to be, to be completely honest. I think he wanted the both of us to kind of have to be, live in misery there. That's one of those, if I'm, if I'm on the outside looking in, I'm rooting for Ross, too. I want to see two idiots get tattoos on him. Yeah, that's probably true. You stick, you stick a tattoo on Ross, it doesn't matter. Nobody's no, going to know. Especially if you know who Ross, Ross is. Like. Yeah, it, if I'm thinking about this now, we're going to make Ross get a Patriots tattoo. Ross lives in New Hampshire. Nobody's going to question that. Nope. Nobody's going to be like, why do you have a Patriots tattoo? Because I'm a Patriots fan, you idiot. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, come on, that was that was dumb as fuck on our part. All right, Jared, you know the deal. Good show, buddy. Go follow us on Twitter at Couch Guy Sports, Instagram at Couch Guy Sports, like us on Facebook, follow us on SoundCloud, rate and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Shout out to Casey. Do it all for us. Shout out to Casey Smith, Boston Sports Tonight, Comcast Sportsnet, New England, 9 p.m. to midnight. Great show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Couch Guys Sports Loose Change Podcast, episode number 28 in the books. We will see you next week.